and gentlemen. Uh, can I please have your attention? Daniel Jigger! Greetings, dear listeners. This is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by the Dispatch and Dispatch Media. I am, in fact, in Dispatch World Headquarters in downtown Washington, D.C. It's very exciting to actually be in a studio. Um, and it more than compensates for the fact that I'm in the studio with none other than Andrew Egger. <laughs> Hi, Jonah. Long, long time, second time. Good to be here. No, it's great to have you. Uh, Egger is, um, I should say Andrew. I just always refer to him as Egger. Um, is associate editor, correct? Is that your title? I now? think I believe my title is staff writer, which is interesting because I feel like I, I, I do a lot more editing than, than writing do. around here. Although yeah. I'm trying to change that. I'm trying okay. to, trying to live up to my own name. You, you can tell how attentive I am to that. Um, <laughs> So I actually uh, um, asked you to be on when I wasn't even sure that you were going to be writing this piece in such a timely fashion, but um, you've written uh, a pretty good, I would say a really good explainer um, about the Durham probe stuff. And, uh, and lots of people are talking about the Durham probe. I have, I have some strong views about how people are talking about it, but why don't we just sort of start with um, the sort of, explanatory due diligence what the thing is about without any reference to media bias until the second portion of the conversation well as you know we're going to strip all the fun out of it uh that's that's fine no, uh, bear with us dear listeners we're I, just uh, putting the dessert <laughs> at the end of the meal <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so let's yeah let's talk about it so so john durham uh special counsel second special counsel to have been in the news quite a bit in recent years um, running a much smaller scale shop than Robert Mueller was a few years back, uh, more of a shoestring budget operation and with fewer reporters kind of snapping around uh, the heels of his every move. Um, so he hasn't been, you know, cropping up in the news all that much. He hasn't also made, fewer leaks, right? Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Well, and, 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 you know, less to leak about uh, in the sense that what he's investigating is sort of the origins of, of the Russia probe. So, so, you know, there's plenty of people on the right who are hoping he will have uh, dirt on this, that, or the other person, but it's a slightly different situation in that there's no constituency that's hoping he's going to like depose a sitting president right. or something like that, like alter the course of human history. It's more just kind of a score settling uh, thing, um, in at least in in the public uh, imagination for as far as the hopes for it are concerned. Um, but anyway, he's been he's been trundling along uh, since William Barr appointed him in 2019. Um, he has uh, come out with a couple of small ball. Uh, indictments uh, for on on uh, basically just on charges of lying to the FBI. He has not alleged any kind of like broad crimes beyond um, uh, basically just interfering with investigations. Um, but uh, there, uh, the, the the most prominent of these, which was an indictment that came out last September, uh, has kicked up a lot of dust and and a lot of dust again this week. Uh, because it touches on some of these, uh, uh, you know, broader concerns that a lot of people on the right have that that there was some funny business going on with, with you know how how the the Trump Russia narrative got going in the first place, um, and so this this particular charge was against Michael Sussman, who's a former a former uh, Perkins Coie uh, attorney who was uh, uh, an, an attorney representing uh, the Clinton campaign during the 2016 election, uh, and who also had uh, among his other clients. Um, this uh, this uh, uh, this man Rodney Rodney Jaffe, who is a, a, a top executive at uh, the analytics company uh, Newstar, which is a, just a kind of an information services company that we will talk a little bit more more about as we get going. But uh, 
but you know, not not to ramble too much, but but uh, the the latest piece of news. Uh, he, he, sorry, Sussman was indicted, like I said, for for lying to the FBI and not for lying to you know uh, Durham, not for lying to not for lying in the present, but for lying uh, when uh, the 2016 campaign was just wrapping up, when he was taking information to the FBI and then later to the CIA. Uh, basically saying, hey, you know, we've seen, uh, I, I've come into possession of some documents uh, that uh, that purport to show some interesting and and perhaps scurrilous links between uh, then candidate uh, Trump in the first meeting, then President Trump in the second meeting, and Russia. Uh, and and uh, what Durham alleges is that at that time, Sussman uh, communicated to the FBI that he was bringing this stuff forward as a disinterested sort of third party agent good when citizen in, exactly thing, exactly yeah. uh when in reality uh he was basically on the clock both for this tech executive and for the clinton campaign itself so and uh, he wanted a job allegedly as he suggested in an email in the clinton administration so it's actually it's not sussman it's the it's the tech executive, oh, the tech executive guy right, who, so we'll, so we'll, so we'll yeah. get to that in in a few minutes but 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 so that was the allegation uh, in the initial indictment was that was that sussman you know uh, ostensibly a good Samaritan, actually just kind of laundering uh, this oppo from the Clinton campaign, which which uh, you know ties into a lot of these uh, allegations from uh, Trump world that that was kind of all the initial Russia stuff was was sort of this laundered oppo from from Clinton and people close to Clinton. Uh, that's not necessarily the case, but that's sort of uh, neither here nor there for the indictment. And at least at least in this instance, it was, or at least Durham alleges that it was. Uh, so. Now, to finally get up to the, the new stuff, um, the, there, there actually hasn't been very much forward movement in the Sussman uh, case. It's not a trial yet or anything like that. Uh, but, but over the weekend, Durham filed a motion that was just kind of a routine motion um, having to do with Sussman's uh, uh, representation in, in, the, in the charges and a potential conflict of interest. Uh, because, uh, as as he talked about, a lot of this stuff was kind of incestuous. It was like just a bunch of lawyers all representing each other, uh, kind of very tightly connected to all of this stuff. But but in his kind of factual background portion of that filing, what he uh, uh, disclosed for the first time was some more details about what what the information actually was that Sussman had brought to the FBI in late 2016, and then again to the CIA in early 2017, and uh, and come to find out. Uh, what what that uh, information was was in part um, this information from this tech company, this other guy that that I mentioned just in passing, uh, who who had kind of uh, apparently put people on a project to scrape a bunch of internet data, a bunch of non-public proprietary internet data is how Durham describes it. Uh, scrape a bunch of this this metadata and just try to find links between Trump and Russia. And they thought they might have found a couple. Right. We uh, should stop for just one second. That wasn't illegal because he actually had contractual right to look at that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard to know what to what to lay out first here. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> so, I so just, let, let me yeah. let me back up just like a little bit and and talk about that. So 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 uh, the thing that's got everybody everybody's eyes popping out of their heads over the weekend is that that Durham says this data uh, includes data that's that's scraped from Trump Tower and from Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building and. From the executive office of the president of the United States, so you can see why people, uh, whoa, you know, like, oh my goodness, there's there's non-public data from the EOP. Uh, that seems a little crazy. Also, I should um, I should just point out it wasn't in your piece, but Trump doesn't own apartment building. On, it, Durham got this wrong. 
Trump doesn't, it's in the, you quoted it correctly, but like the, the Trump building on Central Park West is a hotel. It's not an apartment building. Hmm. Just, you know. Live and learn. I can bring some now facts to this conversation <laughs> too. So anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well so, so then, then the question becomes, you know, what is this data? Um, and and as, as Durham lays it out, it turns out that this is, and, and Durham actually doesn't, doesn't use the name. He refers to it as, you know, tech company one and tech executive one. But you can piece together from the information that he gives in previous press reports that he's referring to a company called Newstar. And this is a, this is a company that provides uh, domain name system registration services to a bunch of companies and, and uh, government entities. And it comes to pass the White House. Um, and basically what this means is just that, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'll try not to get too technical, but, uh, you know, if, if, when, when, when you are, you know, looking up a website, you type in the name, the, the, the URL of that website in your browser, uh, the, the computer translates that into numbers, into an IP address to know where to actually look for that website, what server to look for. And it does that by reference to a DNS server and, uh, and you know, the, which is essentially just like a digital phone book. Mm. A DNS server tells it where to look and then logs that it asked you, uh, that, that logs that it asked the server for that information. So it basically is, is it's metadata. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a log of which servers have tried to get in touch with which servers. It's like call logs, right? You don't know exactly. what people said on the call, but you know that there was a call from this, from this number to that number for X amount of time. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. And so uh, companies like Newstar, where they come in, is first of all, they provide these, these DNS servers, but they also provide a number of services related to them. Um, so for instance, if there's, a lot, if there's a malware attack on your company uh, where, where, you know, uh, Maybe you think you're you're getting onto this website, but actually you're you're going to this other website that's hosted on servers that have known been known to to uh, involve malware attacks in the future, or sorry, in the past. Um, then the DNS server will will maybe flag that, and it will it'll maybe prevent you from going to that website at all. And then it'll like I said, it'll log uh, you know what's been happening there, just to just so you kind of have situational awareness of whether there's attacks coming in. So that's that's what this company is providing for the White House and for a, a million other entities. It's a billion dollar a year revenue company, quite large. Um, like, so like the dispatch. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, come to find out now, and then now now we're back in in sort of Durham's narrative of of what happened. Uh, but this guy uh, Jaffe at was was a senior vice president at at Newstar. He what he shared this lawyer Sussman with the Clinton campaign, and it seems he kind of put lackeys of his uh, at, at his companies, and then also some some university researchers to work, basically analyzing a bunch of this metadata that that his company was in possession of legally, but he kind of put it to this this surreptitious use of trying to get new dirt on on Trump. So that's why. Everybody's freaking out this week is is this notion that uh, that not only did uh, did this company help the Clinton campaign to do this. And it, it appears, again, Durham alleges it was sort of in coordination with because uh, Sussman's talking to Jaffe about these things. And then he's billing the time for those calls to the Clinton campaign. Right. Um, supposedly, this is all all coordinated. And then and then again, the bombshell of not only when uh when Trump was a candidate, but then also at least in in the early going of of when he was uh, president, which I should also say Sussman denies. Mm -hmm. And Sussman in a in a in a subsequent filing, Sussman Sussman I should say has pled not guilty to all of this. He he denies that he's lied to the FBI about anything. Well, you thought we should um, clarify on that. 
He's only charged with lying to the FBI, yes. right? It, so he doesn't have to plead not guilty to the other stuff because the other stuff wasn't the crime that he's not been charged. With. Right, right, right. And it's and it's this weird situation where you know you have you have people running around you know using phrases like "worse than Watergate" and 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 things like this, and it all is very skeevy and kind mm-hmm. of you know leaves a leaves an oily taste in your mouth. But we're getting all of this information from a special prosecutor who's been set up to find out whether there were crimes committed in 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 relation to any of this and charge those crimes, right? right. Um, so you even just kind of from that fact alone, even without digging into you know why it is that that his access that uh, that uh you know Newstar's access to this data was legal and things like that, you already have a pretty good sense that that most of this stuff was probably slimy but legal. And mm-hmm. so again, yes, the only the only particular crime that's been alleged with all of this is that when Sussman takes this big bundle of, and we can talk about, you know, mm. what 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 uh, scurrilous information they thought they had found in that data. But when he takes this data and takes it to the uh, to the FBI, he doesn't disclose, according to Durham, that he's doing that at at the behest of this this executive and the Clinton campaign. And I should say, uh, which you alluded to earlier, uh, the the kind of uh, possible motive that that Durham throws out there uh, in relation to all this is that Joppy had said in an email uh, in, I believe, early November of, of, of 2016. I can't remember whether it was right before or right after the election, but he uh, actually let me just pull, let me just find exactly what he'd said. Uh, I was tentatively offered the top the top cybersecurity job by the Democrats when it looked like they'd win. I definitely would not take the job under Trump. So there's so he kind of floats that as sort of a motive why. Uh, he entered into this sort of incestual, incestuous relationship with uh, with the Clinton campaign that shared this lawyer with him to kind of, uh, you know, do this stuff. Everybody, everybody who is involved with the research claims it was all it was all above board and it was, you know, legitimate concerns. And there were already, uh, you know, lots of rumors floating around about Trump's weird coziness with or at least people uh, close to Trump's weird, weird coziness with Russia. Um, so all of that, uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe we can lit- litigate that when we start talking about, you know, media response or right. or whatever. Yeah. But, but that's the that's kind of the gist. So it, it, it's worth teasing, it, sort of like pulling apart a bunch of things like. First of all, you can. I think it is a, a plausible case to make. Plausible, not let's say believable, but that doesn't necessarily mean I believe it, right? That if you lived in the heart of democratic circles, which Sussman did, right? And these guys did. There was so much in the air, the, the BuzzFeed, you know, P-tape memo and the steel memo, whatever, the, you know, Trump calling on Russia to release, the, and it was like all the deals that Russia, that, that Trump was trying to do and all that kind of stuff. In that echo chamber, you could convince, I, I think it is believable that you could convince yourself that you were doing this for patriotic reasons, mm-hmm. even though you had, that was probably motivated reasoning because you wanted to, you know, do work for Clinton or whatever. You know, I mean, it's like there is, there is nothing more empowering than convincing yourself that doing what is entirely in your self-interest is also the morally right thing to do, right? Right. right you know? Yeah, and we've run into a lot of that. There's a lot of that the, throughout right. all this Russia stuff, and 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 I will say that um, that is similar to the case that Sussman himself has been making in court, um, which is you know partially just that that all of these actions were were above board, but also partially just that um, 
what 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 you're describing as just kind of like these like really tight knit all these people are running in the same circles anyway sort of stuff has just allowed Durham to sort of sketch this conspiracy this this through line of conspiracy right. where Sussman says none actually existed there that these things were not actually coordinated uh, by these you know by these various groups working in tandem and things like that so that's kind of their line is that yeah it is just that we all kind of knew each other and you know. I, I happened to be representing both of these clients at the same time, but it was not like, you know, one big party. Yeah. So, and then on the flip side, then this is something that a lot of left-wingers have seemed to have, or a lot of hyper-Durham skeptics have kind of forgotten or refused to acknowledge because there are some on the right too. Hillary Clinton's perfectly capable of doing horrible things. <laughs> I mean, like really sleazy, horrible things. There's a reason why Sidney Blumenthal, a guy, the only known human um, in the modern era who can dislocate his jaw to swallow rats whole, um, <laughs> did terrible things. Going back, you know, to, you know, he, he flat out when he testified before the grand jury um, during the whole uh, Lewinsky thing. He flat out lied about what he was asked about because the transcripts came out later and he wanted to create a narrative in the media and he just made stuff up. Right. Um, Blumenthal was a massive conspiracy theorist. He was Hillary Clinton's barrier. Um, Hillary Clinton has done tawdry, hardball, nasty things in politics as the Clintons have in general for decades. And the idea that they were trying to you know, let's give it the best spin possible in their minds, frame an innocent man, uh, frame a guilty man. Right. They thought he right, was like exactly, working with Russia, exactly. but they needed to goose the story more. That is entirely possible to me. I mean, in, in fact, probable to me. Right. I mean, assuming the worst from those kinds of in those kinds of situations from Hillary Clinton is um, it's almost a an Aesopian principle. Right. right, you know, right Scorpions right. do what they do. Hillary Clinton does what she does. And I have the same thing about Trump. He, you know. Always assume bad motives for Trump and you're you'll be proven wrong less than almost any other heuristic. Right. Yeah. Right. So. So sure. I, I, I probably should should say that like one uh, one important point in all of this is that insofar as there is connective tissue between the Clinton campaign and and Sussman in this, it's primarily just two things. It's one that I already said. It's the fact that Sussman's billing the time. Right. Um, that's really the only kind of like hard piece of evidence that that, you know, the Clinton campaign knows what's going on at all. Uh, the the second thing is uh, maybe and, and maybe this is the good opportunity to talk about what this data supposedly actually contained um, is that uh, Sussman and uh, this new star executive think that they've put together a connection in this data between uh, an email server that's affiliated with Trump and Alpha Bank, which is a bank that's Russian, a bank in Russia. That that in this DNS metadata, you have these two servers communicating with each other a lot and like kind of a surprising amount. And this was at the heart of a lot of the early Russia collusion stuff. Mm -hmm. Frank Foer's piece depended on this pinging of servers between the bank. And right, the, right, right. And that piece actually becomes important to this because in the original indictment, Durham points out that it's Sussman who was a source for Foer on that piece. Mm -hmm. Um, that so so you have you have Sussman on the one hand, you know, working with this this uh, tech company to actually put these things together. Then he leaks this story uh, to to Foer. Foer publishes it October thirty first, twenty sixteen, immediately before the presidential election. It very quickly falls apart. It very quickly becomes um, clear that there's an, an innocuous explanation for this. Trump doesn't even own the server. The Trump organization does not operate this particular server. It just 
it has to do with kind of uh, mass market emails for, for, hotel for Trump hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when it very first comes out, the Clinton campaign plugs the story like crazy. So so and that's kind of the other circumstantial thing pinning pinning the pinning the uh, you know the the campaign to this actual effort is it's published and immediately becomes kind of their uh, their kind of story of those next couple of days of like oh wow maybe this is the thing that explains data scientists have found this right. link between uh, between Trump and Russia. I will, however, say, and this is a lesson that that we uh, that we learned pretty well from the Mueller investigation. It's one thing to say the campaign was involved with this thing, and it's another thing to nail the guy at the top for it because there's a whole lot of pl plausible deniability at kind of every level. You can say this was low-level staffers. You can say this was rogue staffers operating on their own. And, that, and you know, it, it was pretty early on in the Mueller years that it was clear that Roger Stone was in trouble, that it was clear that Paul Manafort was in trouble, that George Papadopoulos was in trouble. But, uh, but you know, getting from there to, you know, Trump committed crimes or even just sort of like behaved bad, badly is, you know, there's a, the devil's always in the details with that sort of thing. And not, not to say that it's, you know, it, it didn't happen. And it's, it's a little bit of a of a moot point anyway, because it's not like this is ever going to be charged as a crime because right. it probably was legal. <laughs> but, right. Right. Um, so, but, I mean, the, I, I was talking to a prominent D.C. lawyer about a lot of this stuff yesterday, and you sort of alluded to it here and a little bit in, in, in the piece as well. There is this time-honored, sort of some people call it stovepiping, um, tactic, right, that the Clintons were very, very good at. The, the Democratic Party has been very, very good at for a very long time, which is sort of, um, you get allies to make complaint, to make allegations or complaints to the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice trying to figure out whether or not they should open an investigation. This is different than, like, like, Opening an investigation is after you've done some investigating and mm -hmm. decide, kick the tires and, oh, mm -hmm. there really is something here, right? But you got to make some phone calls before you even open an investigation to find out if there's enough, if the smoke is connected to a fire at all, right? And so what happens is uh, activists will call, will, 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 will plant allegations with the FBI. The FBI will then call various of the players who are alleged to know something or should know something about it. And then those players leak to the New York Times and say, I've gotten, the FBI is investigating whether or not this happened. Right, right. right. And the FBI is not investigating whether or not it happened. They're investigating um, sort of whether or not they should investigate whether or not it happened. Right, right? It's kind right, of meta. Right. And this kind of thing happens all over the place. A better analogy for it in some ways is, remember what Donald Trump wanted the president of Ukraine to do? He just wanted right. a press release, right? He didn't want him to actually investigate Biden. He wanted him to announce that they were investigating right, Biden. Right, right, right. Similarly, during the post-election stuff, Trump told uh, Attorney General Barr, just say you're investigating these things. I'll do the rest. I mean, I think that's literally the quote, right? And so it, it's this, it's, it's creating the perception mm -hmm. of wrongdoing with a, with a smattering of facts that after, I mean, like I was talking to Steve about this too yesterday, you know, like the Reno Justice Department would do this kind of stuff where they would sort of announce that they were sort of doing preliminary th investigations to make someone or something look bad or to make, to, to turn up the, the black vote ahead of election. And then after the election, it just kind of goes away, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's what this smells like mm -hmm. to me, if anything is, and you're right, it doesn't have to be orchestrated by Clinton. You know, there's 
there are a lot of people who can figure out what would be good for the boss without the boss ex- asking for mm-hmm, it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the sleazy thing here, right? I well, mean, and, and it so, could be worse, but that's this. That's the uh, that that seems to me like the lowest grade, most plausible. Uh, most common denominator explanation that everyone can at minimum agree with mm-hmm. is this is really sleazy kind of behavior. It's also pretty common kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and and even even just to give an example, another example that's that that touches on the the beginnings of this Russia stuff is that's kind of what happened with the Steele dossier. Exactly, right? is that is that the the, the dossier was being kind of circulated, and and a, and a lot of people in the media knew it existed, and it it. it seemed pretty clear that it was kind of un- unsubstantiable on its own terms. Uh, but the the first time it ever actually broke into, uh, you know, broke into the, 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 the limelight at all was a report that federal law enforcement had it and had briefed Trump on it. Right. Um, was kind of the uh, and, and, and from there you're rolling because it's in the press and, you know, eventually it was, it was a BuzzFeed that eventually published the Buzzfeed thing in full. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so so, yeah, I mean, and that was, you know, much more so than this, uh, was kind of a a, a material uh, uh, cause of of the Russia stuff getting off the ground. Um, although even that, uh, still only in part, um, which 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 is kind of the thing that, that that frequently gets kind of missed in all of this is 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 if you're and and again not to immediately pivot to the to the reaction to the news, but uh, the reason why stories like this are 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 so trumpeted in in Trump world is because the the notion is that the whole it, it's all fruit of the poisoned tree, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everything that touches on on Trump and Russia only ever got spinning up because of these these kind of like uh, this kind of bad behavior from from Trump's political enemies, both sort of internal to government and external to government, um, which you know is, is not is not true. I mean, it's right. not it's not the case. But so before I, it's a good point to pivot to the reaction part. But let's just sort of establish some factual baselines. Correct me where I'm wrong. I don't have any of this written down, as you can see. <laughs> but uh, nothing was hacked. That's correct. Assuming that that. By hacked, you mean no data was illegally obtained, no servers were illicitly accessed. People right. used their own passwords to log in, and they were supposed to have those passwords. Um, uh, related to nothing was hacked. There was nothing, unless you unless you think going over pings between servers on a DNS log, which I should back up. There's something unsavory about that right i mean like if you just think about it in normal life if um you know if you're if you're going through a rough time and you're calling a suicide hotline a lot you would want the public to know that you made those calls even if you the, the content of those calls wasn't you know accessed the mere fact that you made those calls could be troubling, disturbing, embarrassing, bad for your career, whatever. Right, right. Similarly, if you, you wouldn't want the world to know that you, you know, you frequent Canadian porn sites, right? <laughs> I mean, um, there's a whole bunch of things that um, even though you may not have, the public may never see the, the content of those communications, the fact that those communications happened at all um, is concerning. The fact that this was legal takes it down a notch, mm-hmm. obviously, but um, when you know, the, the, this whole world of being able to know who's visiting what sites and whatever, there is some sketchy, unsavory stuff to that. Okay. Um, but like when Donald Trump says, uh, this proves that his, that the white house, that the, the Trump tower was 
Oh, was wiretapped? Uh, no. Yeah, that's that's just the same kind of claim he's been making for right. years. And there's no, yeah, there's nothing new uh, to suggest that there's anything more to that. Can I can I can I elaborate uh, on one thing that you said sure. just a minute ago? I do think you know if we're if we're just judging kind of the the relative levels of sleaze, uh, it, it it does make a difference that that a big part of this data set is White House data, right? right. And 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 this is a weird factual point of contention that I don't really understand why it's a bone of factual contention because this data exists. It's it's going to come before, you know, b- before the court if and when this thing goes to trial. Uh, and so it's bizarre that you have Durham here saying, you know, this is this is White House data and it supposedly connects Trump to the White House. Mm-hmm. And then Sussman over here saying, no, this is all Obama era data. Um, Either way, it's bad because it's you know you would you wouldn't want this you know you it, it's it's not it's not you know confidential data or anything like that but it's not public data, um, so it, it's bad regardless. But it's kind of a, a question of magnitude whether uh you know they were just kind of using the data they had on hand or whether this sort of like uh quote unquote surveillance sort of followed Trump into office. Right. You can see why you know the one would rub people slightly worse than the other. So there, and then there's one other point. I just I'm not sure it feeds into the segue, but, you know, it, it's just, I think, worth getting out there that, like, as, as you said, you know, the, this thing that was this linchpin of, the, of, of part of the original Russia collusion case were these, you know, pings back and forth between a Trump Tower server and a bank in Russia, and it turned out it was totally innocuous uh, hotel spam marketing, right? You know, mm-hmm. something like that. Part of the problem, like, imagine you have a giant canvas and there are just randomly assigned dots on it. Just there's no pattern to no discernible pattern to it whatsoever. You could take a pen and connect selectively whatever dots you wanted to make all sorts of images, Mm -hmm. right? So much of like internet stuff, arguments about internet manipulation and all this kind of stuff these days is basically that. It's looking for faces in clouds, right? right? And saying, and so like one of the ironies in all of this is that it sounds like what the Clinton campaign was trying to do, either sincerely through motivated reasoning and just confirmation bias or through sketchy whatever, was impose a meaning on these this much more innocuous internet activity and say it was nefarious, which is pretty much exactly what like the Mike Lindell stolen election people are doing when they have these huge boards of data packets and they say, you see, this proves because there were these pings from China that they, they, they flip votes and all this kind of stuff. And it's, again, looking at, you know, totally irrelevant patterns of data and in court and bringing in nefarious, you know, narratives that suit suit your purposes. And it just feels to me we're going to see a lot more of these kinds of stories in the years ahead. Right, right. And, and I think it, it it's not an accident that that these stories so frequently revolve around things like data packets, right. DNS uh, lookup servers, you know, things things that people don't run into in their daily lives that are like kind of weirdly technical. And, and, and you know, it's 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 easy to, um, you know, impute more meaning to them than right. they actually have. And I think I think. Franklin Foer, even in, in his piece, in his initial piece, kind of making these allegations was sort of like, you know, I don't really understand all the tech behind all this stuff. But, right. uh, you know, this sure, seem, sure seems skeevy. And then, you know, a couple of other reporters at other outlets over the next couple of days talked to some people who kind of knew this stuff back to front and was like, ah, actually, it's actually it's, you know, this, that and the other thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's 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 
it's almost the perfect story uh, to elicit overreaction, even even from well-meaning people, because you have like your big headline, you know, non-public data from the White House right. used to surveil Trump. And then like every additional piece of detail and fact that you get pulls you back a little further from kind of your first, oh my gosh, that's like horrific. Right, <laughs> um, right. Like Im- impression that you get. Not not to say that it cancels it out, but it's like, but it's it's easy to see why, um, you know, before before you kind of immerse yourself in in exactly what all this means, you 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 react more strongly than you necess- than it necessarily deserves. If if that makes there's sense. a there's there's a well documented pattern on both the left and the right of people overreacting to stories that they think prove they were right all along. <laughs> well, yeah, um, and, yeah. I mean, Rachel Maddow has a gift of, of peddling those kinds of stories. And so do a bunch of people on Fox and um, even plenty of us reasonable centrists. Right. I mean, people just like to be right. Everyone <laughs> likes to be right. But like, Sorry, um, I didn't mean to accuse you of being a reasonable centrist. Yeah. I'm not sure which I take more offense to the <laughs> reasonable or the centrist. All right. So I think we have, we have, we have done our due diligence. We have, followed the uh schoolmarm uh ombudsman like moral righteousness of steve hayes and not done media bias for the first <laughs> 35 minutes um what is your i have takes but what is your view about how the media has handled this both let's I, i'm starting to really despise the phrase mainstream media um because uh, it conceals as much as it reveals and um but for the sake of pur- for, for for our purposes, we'll define our terms as right wing media being essentially Fox and its imitators, and um, uh, mainstream media being Washington Post, New York Times, and then left wing media is sort of the you know I don't know Mother Jones or whatever, right? But those are just our terms, so people can understand where we're coming from. What is your sense? What is your take on the reaction to the story? Well, the the first kind of problem or maybe sticky wicket or whatever with uh this thing going from just being this filing to getting translated into a into a news event is the the kind of point of ambiguity that we talked about um first with what the data specifically was and who had reasonable access to it and then uh with when the data was collected from so you had a lot of that of those first round stories um from conservative media fox news and the washington examiner um, uh, and Fox, Fox was actually worse about this than, than the examiner was. Fox used the word infiltrate, um, uh, that, 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 that servers were being infiltrated first at first, they said at, uh, at Trump tower and later at the white house. Um, and then, uh, other outlets were, you know, far less, uh, even circumspect than that, you know, uh, not that the, the daily mail is a, is a particularly, uh, um, conscientious <laughs> uh, source, but their their news write-up is, is maybe kind of like illustrative of, of where this story went. Uh, they they said this firm had been paid to hack into Trump's White House and Trump Tower servers. Mm-hmm. Um, not and and again, like like we've kind of laid out, uh, both of those things already were sort of overstating the case a little bit in the sense that uh, that would that would connotate that, that would connote crimes. Uh, and it states as fact that uh, that it's Trump White House data that's in question. When in reality, that's that's kind of nebulous and disputed and unclear. Although hopefully we will eventually know. Um, so that's that's kind of the 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 first round of even kind of like re- relatively responsible, uh, like trying to get the facts perhaps, but 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 overstating this, that, and the other thing for for these reasons that we've discussed. Then obviously you get into 
the pants on fire pundit world mm -hmm. that you know takes every story to to its sort of like most explosive uh conclusion and then even farther beyond that and i mean i don't know that we need to talk about that not too too much obviously there's just a bunch of people out there who are like this is worse than watergate mm -hmm. president trump you know the, the the former president uh turned florida pundit uh uh opined that at a stronger time the people responsible for planning this thing would be put to death um you know so you get you get that sort of thing uh uh flying around um then uh, and, and, and this is something you see a lot also in stories that are first reported on the right. You get, uh, you get the, like you say, kind of mainstream press rushes in and, and sees all those things that we just talked about as kind of like one phenomenon uh, of Republicans are blowing this thing out of proportion. And they then feel the need to kind of push back on that and do damage control and basically say, oh, you know, this isn't this isn't really like a thing. This is all, you know, this has been reported before. And a lot, I mean, a lot of this stuff we've been talking about was in the indictment mm -hmm. uh, last September. Right. Uh, only a few pieces of it are actually new. So you can see like th there are like places where they can get their hooks in and 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 stick to the wall. Um, and 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 basically so, so basically you end up in a situation where everybody has their kind of like few reasonable points that they are building their narrative out from. Uh, and getting to like entirely opposite opposite places. I do think, um, and and you know we can we can nitpick various, uh, you know various mainstream reporters' uh, uh, coverage of the whole thing. I think I think that the if there's a weak if there's been a weakness in all of it, it's that they are less inclined than we have been here, for instance, um, to sort of pass the moral judgment um, mm -hmm. to to say you know based on what we know about these things, this does seem like it was sort of political dirty trickery and, and gross and 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 you know sort of scurrilous and dishonest and in, in all of these ways that we've discussed. Um their basic point is just kind of like, well it's not it's not criminal behavior and all these people seem to think that it is and that's kind of the story is that Republicans are are, are jumping at shadows and seeing crimes where there are none. Yeah. I mean so, so part of it is the typical Republicans pounce part, right? Is right. like the story isn't the story. The story is how the Republicans respond to the story not a particularly interesting thing to talk about for very long so we don't need to do it but like the it's the cleanup aspect that i think grates on a lot of people it's it's so here's the new york times which did not cover it for a while right this when did this thing drop last friday uh the the indictment yeah or, or the, the filing, filing. Yeah, yeah yeah so it wasn't until i think tuesday of this week that the new york times mentioned this at all mm -hmm. right and the um, and the only the, so the first piece that they ran, you know, by um, what's his name, uh, Charlie Savage, was here's the headline and the subhead. Court filing started a furor in right wing outlets, but their narrative is off track. The latest alarmist claims about spying on Trump appeared to be flawed, but the explanation is Byzantine, underlying the challenge for journalists in deciding what merits coverage. Now, I think all of those things are defend; those are all defensible claims, right? But the, the, the reason why I think some people go, I put it this way, when, 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 as you were sort of saying, you know, when the story first breaks, the confirmation bias for people on the right goes bananas, worse than Watergate and all that kind of stuff. And then slowly over time, it's nickel and dime to a much more modest kind of story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, or it isn't, or people just move on to the next thing. Or people move like, on to the next thing. Sure, yeah. but but the where where 
if, if people who very much want to stay outraged um, need to stay outraged, where they go is to the media hypocrisy argument. Mm -hmm. And they are entirely right, as far as I'm concerned, in the sense that there were equally, as we discussed, there were equally sketchy allegations in the original Russia collusion story, including this bank uh, server thing, which turned out to be not true or mm -hmm. like fairly nothing burger. But that kind of stuff was reported and shouted breathlessly all over the place because the mainstream media is much more attuned to the sort of left-wing media echo chamber, much more attuned to what's go what plays on MSNBC and all that kind of stuff. And so you never got, you know, when, when Foer's story dropped, you never got a New York Times headline that says court filing started or, or Atlantic stories started a furor in left-wing outlets, but their narrative is off track, right? Mm -hmm. There's never this attempt to sort of clean up the stuff that the mainstream media people wanted to be true about Trump. It's only when stuff that is Trump helpful narrative that the all of the skepticism and herd behavior of the mainstream media kind of kicks in. And so I or maybe maybe if I could if I could like couch that in 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 one way, it, it, at the very least, it's not it's not done on this kind of like institutional level where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, because there were there were piece, pieces, I think, in, in The Washington Post the following day after after Fowler published his piece, I, I want to say Philip Bump uh, uh -huh. wrote a pretty, pretty compelling kind of pushback and, and takedown of it. But it wasn't it, it wasn't this kind of like uh, meta narrative story about like kind of like left wing media bias. Mm -hmm. It was just like he got this story wrong. Right. Um, I, I should say in passing also, I, it's hard for me to fault Charlie Savage for only publishing his piece Tuesday, given mine only went up this morning. You know, <laughs> no, that, that's totally fair. That's right. Um, and I but I will say just for the record, The New York Times is slightly better resource than the dispatch. Eh, yeah, yeah um, that's true. No, but so look, I, I, so here's subscribe today. So I. I the reason why I wanted to get that out there is because I do think there was an enormous amount of irresponsible stuff from the mainstream media about the Trump collusion stuff and, and various other stories where they just ran with, um, ran with first and then you'd clean up second. Mm -hmm. And um, my problem, and I wanted to get that out there because I have a real bone to pick with a lot of people, a lot of good friends of mine on the right. Um, and there's so many of them on, on this aspect that I actually am not going to name them um, who have fallen back into thinking that this is the real story, right? And it's a story. Media criticism is, is real. It's justified. I, I did it for years and years and years. I will, do, I will continue to do it from time to time. But, um, you know, like I was listening to uh, someone on, on a, a podcast I listen to a lot on the right and they're making the case about how basically making the case I just made about how um, the mainstream media uh, pulled out you know you know pulled out all the safeguards to cover in a breathless way any negative allegation against Trump um, without ever spending any energy or resources covering things like Durham um, which are inconvenient to their narratives mm -hmm. again I think that is a wholly justified um, complaint. My problem is the right does the same friggin' thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like how many conservatives, um, you know, wildly pro-Trump conservatives um, paused for a moment to concede that the Trump Tower meeting with the Russians was not good, mm -hmm. right? Or, uh, 
Trump calling on Russia to release the emails, right? They'll say, oh, he was joking. He wasn't. It's obvious when you watch the thing. He went back to it. Um, uh, you can find time and again, there were, you know, the Manafort stuff. There were all sorts of things in the Mueller probe and the Mueller report that actually lend credence to the idea that there was, that a reasonable person could think that Trump was doing something for Russia because he was surrounded by people who did things for Russia, you know, including his friggin' national security advisor. <laughs> but each side wants to claim that the other side is being irresponsible and um, reckless and promoting a single narrative without acknowledging the facts that are inconvenient to their narrative. And that's true. But it's also true of the people making that criticism. Right. And right. it drives me crazy. Well, and even and even beyond just kind of like the the, the partisan motivation to, to make every story into a double standard story or a bias story, it's also just kind of the it's the lowest hanging fruit, right? It's, right? it's the easiest place for the water to flow. Like if you're if if you're if you're trying to follow along with this Durham stuff and and like all of this stupid technical stuff that I've spent the last three days with just like kind of like visions of of DNS servers dancing in my head, wishing I were writing about something different because this is not my that that's I'm not a tech reporter. Um, but but you know just like the, the the energy that's required to like even kind of get your head around what actually happened with any of this stuff is is it's so much easier just to be like. To, to, to tell to have it be the same story you've told a million times right it's it's those guys over there uh, are behaving badly uh, for for reason of X fact and Y fact and you have the whole thing kind of in, in your head already and you can go tweet or whatever um, I, I, and you know it's fun it's yeah fun, no look, 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 and, and, and <laughs> the fact that it's it and like like Brian Stelter uh, CNN, where I'm going to be a contributor, he has, he often covers media stuff as if the media is defined by Fox News, right? That's his, he says he's, you know, he's a media reporter or, or media analyst and he analyzes Fox. Um, Howie Kurtz, you know, I've been friendly with for 25 years. Um, he's a media guy who basically covers hypocrisy of mainstream media coverage. And, um, you know, so it was funny. It was like, I did, you know, when I was still at Fox, I did an appearance on, on Howie's show about cancel culture. And he wanted the whole, the whole, the whole thing was premised and framed as a, um, the left does cancel culture. Mainstream media does cancel culture. Um, unlike us freedom loving conservatives, right. Or sort the subtext, you know, Howie wouldn't say that. Um, and I pointed out, look, America has a cancel culture problem, right? Mm -hmm. Donald Trump tried to get me fired from National Review. He tried to get me fired from Fox. He tries, he does boycotts all the time. He taught, you know, I didn't say it at the time, but like, he actually thinks some people should be put to death, which is like serious cancel culture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and it's, it's, you know, I, I know it's running, it's a bingo card thing on this podcast, but it's the, it's the. Millhouse from The Simpsons talking about how those damn Shelbyville kids like candy for the sweet, sweet taste, you know, <laughs> as if the, you know, the Springfield kids don't, you know. And um, and that's the thing that I find exhausting about this story is I've been getting attacked. Again, I shouldn't pay attention on, to Twitter, but I've been getting attacked from people on the right relentlessly for not setting my hair on fire, calling this worse than Watergate. And I've been getting attacked by people on the left for saying, you know, maybe the New York Times and the Washington Post should cover 
the Durham story. And, um, and both sides seem to think that, that it is a betrayal against all things holy to think the other side has a point, but not as much of a point as, as each side think they have or mm -hmm. something like that. It just, I find the whole thing really exhausting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, um, where do you think the thing goes next? Oh, Lord, I, I'm sure I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, the, the, the weird thing about this whole story is, is I mean, w and maybe to differentiate between this and Moeller, when, when Moeller was making his filings, um, he had almost always previous, like already extracted pleas mm -hmm. um, from, from a lot of the people that he charged. And so uh, all of the, the kind of factual basis of the findings was already kind of agreed to by both parties, and you can kind of hang your hat on it. Whereas here, Sussman is basically uh, disputing almost every single kind of piece of the narrative that Durham is laying out. Um, and obviously, you know, just kind of as a, as a neutral third party, it, 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 one might think that Sussman rather than Durham is the one who, you know, has that motivation to do that because he's the one on trial. He's going to try to poke any hole he can. But, uh, you know, it, it, it could very well come to pass that that when all this does eventually appear out in trial, that that some of these things are overblown and, mm -hmm. and some of these uh, narrative um, links that he has made and that we have subsequently made don't prove true. So it's just it's, it's, it's really hard to do any kind of like extrapolating beyond which is again why i like tried in in the piece to to stick with like the specific factual revelations that he makes like this this email from this tech executive talking about how he was you know potentially going to get a job in the in the in the clinton white house and things like that that are like you know we we don't know like how gross a lot of this was but at least we can kind of like establish a baseline for grossness right, <laughs> that, that right. we're sure we're sure took place um it does seem as though um, I would not be at all surprised if this ends up being kind of the speed of the rest of the of the rest of the Durham thing, where where you you're not seeing a lot of heads rolling. Uh, yeah. You're you know at, at most what kind of critics of the Russia investigation are going to get is this sort of thing of kind of like an official narrative gloss with facts laid out that that people were kind of behaving in a in an unscrupulous way. Um, but but I don't I mean I don't think Donald Trump will be happy with the with the final outcome. Maybe put it that way. Yeah, I mean, and I, I do think it's worth noting. It's funny how Durham's reputation has suddenly been rehabilitated somewhat in MAGA world because they were very very angry with him for not coming up with something Trump could use before the election, right? Mm -hmm. And um, sort of like what we were talking about before with like the stovepiping stuff, or like you know, you, just give me an just give me a press release that I can work with, kind of thing. That's what Trump wanted out of Durham before the election and or from Barr. And Durham didn't do that. And I think this is something that I think the, the sort of people on the left who want to utterly dismiss Durham as some kind of Barr Trump stooge are being unfair about. Because if if Durham was that, he would have done something like that prior to the election. Mm -hmm. Right. He is he has not conducted this investigation in a way beneficial to the Trump 2020 reelection campaign's prospects. Right, right, <laughs> and, right. and that should tell you something about the integrity with which he is doing it. Doesn't mean he's got the goods or are there any goods that he for him to get. We don't we don't really know. But like say someone say uh, like your aunt asks you or somebody, you know, some someone who doesn't follow politics generally. 
given what you think are the established facts, what, what is the worst possible, what is the worst case scenario um, for Sussman slash Clinton world um, if Durham has, has the goods and can make his case? Like, what would, what would the actual crime or misdeed be? In terms of us judging it as moral actors or like in terms of, because I mean, the worst case scenario from like a, a legal perspective is just that he's convicted, I'd say, of the one of the one count. Right. Well, I, I, let me put it this way. I mean, so like um, uh, special report did a segment on this the other night and um, and Andy McCarthy, God bless him, came on and threw a lot of cold water on 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 this he wasn't saying there was no there there. He was just saying, we just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of stuff we don't know. Right now, there's just one weak false statement case. Um, no other crimes are being alleged. And, um, and, then, and then Hugh Hewitt chimed in and said, yeah, unless Sussman decides to be John Dean and spill the beans on all his colleagues about what really happened, um, uh, this, this may just die there. And like, the, my point is, or my, my question is, Let's assume he has beans to spill. Right. Right. Um, like it wouldn't be. So it, let me put it this way. It wouldn't be spying. Right. Because we kind of know that from what we know already. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it would it would be to basically. Take. Innocuous facts and paint them as sinister facts to essentially slant, smear the Trump campaign. I mean, is, what was what, okay. the? Oh, yeah. I mean, if if I. I think that that from 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 that perspective, the the kind of like worst thing that these people are alleged to have done is you you have Sussman meeting with two different federal law enforcement uh, agencies, the FBI initially in late 2016, and then uh, what's been reported to be the CIA in early 2017. And by the time he comes to the CIA in early 2017, the allegations are all have already kind of been been litigated in the press and and basically shown to be innocuous. And so I think that the, the Based on what we know, you know the the kind of slimiest thing that you can that you can uh, that you can sort of read in the tea leaves of these of these allegations is that that Durham is then going, uh, you know, after the campaign's over, Trump's already president. He's going to federal law enforcement and essentially trying to trying to sick federal law enforcement on this guy, on the president, uh, with information that he already should know is not doesn't Damn hold me. any water. Yeah. yeah, it's not. So Which he's would be. kind of been robbed of any kind of public, possible public interest in bringing this forward. It, it does, it just, it reads more just like pure retribution right. at that point in time. Which would be very bad. Right, 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 right. I'm not sure it's Watergate, but it would be very bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I do think, you know, if I if I were to put on kind of the the, the rank pundit hat and and if, if, if there's kind of like a, a morality play to sketch out here, I do think it's interesting that like first, um, you know, first in the waning days of the campaign, when when uh, Hillary and company seemed to think that this might be like a a silver bullet October surprise type thing, um, and then after once she'd lost, um, it seems as though they were they were trying uh, they being you know whichever actors are implicated maybe her maybe not uh, at least people on her campaign or associated with her campaign um, were trying to get this Russia story rolling in on. Uh, in, in a house that they already knew to be built on sand to horribly mix a metaphor. Um, 
And it ended up kind of backfiring in a pretty spectacular way in the sense that I don't think you can point to any single story more than the Russia investigation in kind of the first couple of years of the of the Trump presidency that ended up kind of forging the whole Republican Party into into seeing him kind of seeing his grievances as their grievances. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of the first big thing prior to you know, the various impeachments and and all these sorts of things Pr prior to much of that where they were like, well, this just this is just a witch hunt. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and they and they really came to believe that. And, and, you know, we all know that that's not all that the Mueller investigation was. The Mueller investigation was predicated on a lot of, you know, th there was concerning stuff that came up in the Mueller report, not not about collusion, but about, you know, Trump's Trump's efforts to, uh, you know, kind of stop anybody from talking to Mueller and, and just kind of behaving like a criminal. But uh, you know, it, it was things like this. It was actors moving forward with with kind of these these crappy, uh, silly allegations, and then and sticking with them. You know, much longer than could be reasonably defended. That 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 was you know part of the part of the crucible for getting everybody on board Team Trump. So that's you know that's another, you know another thing. Maybe we can we can all just uh, have a little bit of fun blaming on Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you before you slandered me with this whole reasonable centrist thing. But <laughs> if we're going to if we're going to define the polls as uh, the sort of pro-Trump uh, Russia, Russia, Russia witch hunt thing, or the pro-Hillary um, Russia collusion, you know, he's a he's a you know Putin asset kind of stuff. I'm pretty smack dab in the center, insofar as I didn't write a lot or comment a lot on the Russia collusion stuff because like, you know, and we can all think of the various people who were, con who, who took the position from day one that it was an outrageous conspiracy theory and, was in, and there was no merit to it whatsoever, which became the sort of party line on a lot of the Republican right. Um, I always thought, okay, it hasn't been proved that Trump colluded, but it's, pretty reasonable to think that he'd be willing to, right? I mean, it's pretty reasonable to think that he um, would um, not have some grand moral objection. You know, he never spoke ill of Putin. Um, um, they took the Trump Tower meeting. Manafort did all that stuff. Like, there was, there was ample reason to think the allegation is plausible, if not necessarily proven. Similarly with Hillary Clinton. There's ample reason to think the allegations, maybe not the the spying, wiretapping, worse than Watergate stuff, but the allegations that hew to the facts and the Durham thing, entirely reasonable to think that she's capable of doing that. Mm. That that like there's nothing about Hillary Clinton that says, oh no, she's such a morally upstanding person that she would um, never be involved in you know in smearing someone she hates with a right. blinding passion, right. you know. Um, um, and so it's, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know where Durham's going to go. I didn't know where the Russian collusion thing was going to go. So I, I, my view is, is I just don't know enough yet. And, and like, just, there are a lot of people who want to start with the conclusion and then reason backwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So I think we've done enough of this unless you have some one last 
searing grievance that you want to get off your chest. No, I liked my morality play as a way of, as a way of sending us off of the subject. I, I, I liked know. it. That's the last sorry, thing I, I had to I say. I didn't take the bait. Um, uh, I paid for this microphone, Mr. Green. No, no, no. no, 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 no that's but, not what um, I mean. <laughs> uh, um, so you are, uh, how far along into fatherhood are you now? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, my, my daughter, Holly, was four months old two days ago, uh, which is pretty crazy, yes, which, make, which puts me about, uh, one month back at work, thanks to the dispatch's very generous parental leave policy. How, was, uh, the, how were the first three months? Uh, it depends what you mean by how. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't sleep a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, there were, you know, we were, we were, we were you know, busily uh, involved troubleshooting the baby, I would uh-huh. say, it was kind of most of what we did. Sort of a beta test. Uh, for, yeah, our, <laughs> our first kid, our first kid, you know, you know yeah, we, were, we were certainly in beta as parents. Um, and, and, you know, they, they, they say the whole fourth trimester stuff. So it was, you know, there various different things. Um, yeah, that's we, why I asked about the first three months, because, like, I, I am convinced that some point in our evolutionary history gestation was 12 months and like so a lot of babies are just born pissed for the first three uh-huh. months they're out uh-huh. <laughs> um, so uh, we we we've been very um very kind of like bad uh, uh conservatives in the sense that we've been sort of hiring out various uh baby knowledge things to outside consultants so we had a we had a lactation consultant early on and now we've we've recently employed a sleep consultant um and I, i'm i'm suddenly I guess that my biggest political change in fatherhood is I'm I'm far more pro consultant than I used to be. They're, Interesting. Consultants get results. They they make your baby work like a human being ought to. So you know, uh, my mom, who was sort of a godmother to a whole bunch of new moms, um, uh, when I was growing up, you, I she'd always tell new parents she, who like freaked out about how fragile her babies were and all this kind of thing. She was like, do you read the New York Post? These things can survive for two days in a dumpster. <laughs> It'll be okay. Um, oh, man. And uh, um, which is just to say that, like, you know, we you know, don't drop them. Right. You know, right. That's like like really good advice. Don't drop them. Drop them. Don't shake them. Don't, don't feed them honey in their first year is the thing I've heard. I didn't know about that. I mean, like I've I, never tested it. I have a. Um, I have a friend who is so worried about peanut allergies that they she gave her baby peanut butter in the parking lot of a hospital. So like she drove nice. to the hospital, nice. sat there because there is a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of evidence. There are a lot of people who say there are a lot of evidence. I haven't reviewed the evidence myself. Mm-hmm. My daughter's now 19. So I'm less concerned about these things, <laughs> but who say that like, you know, first of all, allergies in general are a product of people living in too clean an environment. Yeah. So their immune systems are mm-hmm. looking for new problems. Um, and there was, there have been studies that show that like if you give your kids peanut butter before they hit a certain age, they won't get peanut butter allergies, mm-hmm. or they're much less likely to. Mm-hmm. And um, you will run into like the the nut allergy mafia at schools. Which look, I'm sympathetic if your kid actually has a real nut allergy. Right, right, yeah, yeah. My it. wife, my wife taught kindergarten up until the point where where we had our baby, and and it was you know yeah. So you so you know large. about that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but the most enduring piece of advice, right? What was advice was sort of the most enduring adage that has stuck with me for my entire time as a father, um, is get ready for, um, long days and short years. Yes. Um, and I can tell you right now, it feels like yesterday I was dropping my kid off at preschool. <laughs> um, and it, it, it makes me verklempt. Um, and, uh, and you should just sort of psychologically prepare yourself for like how, the days go really slow, but like the years go 
crazy fast. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I mean, one strategy for dealing with that, this is the strategy my parents did, is just to not really stop having kids. So mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm, I'm the oldest mm-hmm. of six. They still have two at home. Do they really? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Through the end of this year, still two at home. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's it's. You know, but but I think I think even they would agree that it's been you know remarkably short. <laughs> so in, in 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 your family, are there any whole bunch of pictures of you and almost no pictures of your youngest sibling? So my mom was a consultant for Creative Memories mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember another consultant, just one of these scrapbooking uh, uh-huh. sort of like Tupperware business model, multi level marketing sort of things. Um, so she was a, a heavy scrapbooker, um, okay. but but the 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 younger kids got the shortest shrift. Plus, that was when social media was coming along to kind of give the axe to scrapbooking as a hobby in any way. Um, but, right, yeah. but yes, my baby book and and I guess that of my next couple siblings are are all definitely the most uh, the most filled in in the corners. Yeah, I guess my wife is one of nine. Okay, and the spread between the oldest and the youngest is eighteen years. Yeah, and so there are lots of pictures of the first kids. When they're kids, and then like almost nothing of the youngest guy, the youngest kids, <laughs> um, because you know after nine, what are you the novelty take? wears off. Pretty I mean, much, like yeah. you've seen, you know what a baby looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you very much for doing this. I expect it. I, I'm curious to get to see whether we get more criticism from the left or the right on this one, because um, you know us reasonable centrists, right? You know, it's. it's you I'm know. ready to stick my chin in the air and rise above them all. <laughs> it's yeah. What is the the line? You know, it's it's uh, in the middle of the road is where you get run over. <laughs> um, so uh, with that, thanks very much for doing this. And we shouldn't uh, uh, wait so long for you to come back. Uh, yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me, Jonah. Okay, so I would say Edgar has left the studio, but he hasn't. He's sitting here kind of stalker-like, <laughs> just staring at me. And it's, it's sort of like the one eyebrow baby that uh, torments Maggie Simpson. Um, uh, um so uh, I am traveling. I will be going to California tomorrow for, uh, to see my daughter. Um, so I'm struggling to figure out how I'm going to do the G file. Never mind the solo remnant. But I am nothing if not a servant to my listeners. So I will figure out how to solve these problems. Um, also, people should know that we have switched podcast schedules at the, the dispatch. The group podcast. No, me, David, uh, uh, Sarah, and that Hayes guy. Um, we now record that on Fridays. And the interview one is on, we record that on Wednesdays. And there are really complicated um, reasons for why we're doing this. It involves ball bearings and, 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 and hydroelectric power. We don't need to get into details and all that. Um, but uh, so that's going to, that might mess up the, Friday solo remnant schedule a little bit for me. I will figure all of that out. That's not the important part. The important part is if you like the group podcast, um, you should start, you know, now you can listen to it where it's still kind of current over the weekends. Um, and the, uh, interview one, um, uh, will be the midweek one. Just thought I should let you know that. Um, thanks again to everybody who has, uh, taken advantage of the, um, 30 day free trial offer there's still a little time left on it um it would be great if uh you know if 10 percent of the people who download this podcast um became paid members of the dispatch community we could hire another couple eggers um so uh you know if, if if you if you like the podcast if you like what the dispatch is doing or you like what it's even trying to do and you want it to succeed 
um, if you can become a paid member, that is the best way for you to um, uh, help us in our in our mission and our cause, and help us also, you know, pay the mortgage. Oh, and also I should point out, uh, we are now doing weekly uh, dispatch lives, which are the, the video live conversation, often over various uh, uh, alcoholic beverages, um, every Tuesday at eight. Um, and the way it's going to work is, uh, every week, um, one of the sort of the four dispatch podsters, um, become the host. And then we decide who we want to talk to, what the format's going to be, what the topics are, and we'll mix and match between those regulars and also other people like Egger and Declan and, 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 and Harvest and Audrey and all these other people who work for the dispatch. Um, and also some, you know, special guest stars like TV's Don Knotts when um he appeared on scooby-doo and um um i'm sorry not don knotts don adams who thought don knotts was on scooby-doo jeez um uh but it's every week it's it's a lot of fun and um if you're a member you get to watch it live and if you miss it as a member you also have access to the uh um the video the next day on the website and um so again, and there's a lot of other really cool stuff coming down the pike um, for for members only, including uh, Sarah's uh, books po- sort of book club podcast, which is coming soon and is going to be um, for members only. And um, and then there's the trials by combat stuff that you get access to, but that's another story. So anyway, with that, uh, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. No, you won't. This is a podcast. Subscribe today.